Hey everyone, my name is Brandon Patrick, that's Sophie Green, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Intro music. Thank you. Superlit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. Hello, Sophie! Hi! This week, we are talking about Ander and Santi We're Here by Johnny Garza Villa. Yes, hello. Well, first of all, before we get anywhere near into the book, I want to talk about the cover of the book. How beautiful is this? It's Gorgina. Everyone, Google, go to a bookstore, a library. Look at this book. It's stunning. Go to a Google. Go to a Google. Go to a Google and Google this book. They're stunning. I was wondering if this would be in the book, like this particular thing. But yes, I just wanted to get that out of the way first because every time I picked the book up, I was like, hello, gorgeous. (laughs) Um, It's just a really nice cover. Also, it's not... um, (laughs) The same color as every other book. <laughs> Your favorite thing to comment on. It's not purple or pink or a light pastel blue in a gradient pattern of a sunset of some kind in the silhouettes of the characters. No, you're right. Nope. <laughs> yes. So beautiful book cover. The book cover is by uh the jacket design is by Carrie Resnick and the jacket illustration is by Max Reed. Great job. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, so yes, do you want to read the book sleeve, Sophie? Do you have a physical book? No, I have a I have an ebook. Oh, do you have a book sleeve? How does that work? Uh, you Google the book I description. Ha- I, yeah, I think I have to. I think I'd have to just read get the Goodreads book description. Okay, well, um, all right, I guess I can do it since you've cornered me like a rat. <laughs> I'm just gonna read the full thing. Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe meets the sun is also a star in this YA contemporary love story, but a non-binary Mexican-American teen falling for the shy new waiter at their fit at their family taqueria. Finding home, falling in love, fighting to belong. The Santos Vista neighborhood of San Antonio, Texas is all Ander Lopez has ever known. The smell of pan dulce, the mixture of Spanish and English filling the streets, and especially their job at their family's taqueria. It's the place that has inspired Ander as a muralist. And as they get ready to leave for art school, it's all these things that give them hesitancy. That give them the thought, are they ready to leave it all behind? To keep Ander from becoming complacent during their gap year, their family fires them, quotes, (laughs) it's in quotes, fires them so they can transition from restaurant life to focusing on their murals and preparing for college. That is, until they meet Santiago Garcia, the hot new waiter. Falling for each other becomes as natural as breathing. Through Santi's eyes, Ander starts to understand who they are and want to be as an artist. And Ander becomes Santi's first step towards making Santos Vista and the United States feel like home. That is, until ICE agents come for Santi and Ander realizes how fragile that sense of home is. 
how love can only hold on so long when the whole world is against them and when eventually the world starts to win. I've never had such a difficult time reading a book sleeve before. I'm surprised that that's what the book sleeve is. I feel like that gives away too much, but I literally started reading the book and I was like, wait, what's the the conflict in this? Cause I couldn't remember. Cause I don't think in the description that you put in the Google doc, they're like, that was part of it. Um, no, I think I just wrote like Mexican American, they, them falls in love with new boy. Or something. They, them falls in love with a new boy. I was trying to just give you a little taste of what the book was to entice yeah. you I'm no and it, and it lied worked about all of them to skew you to read things that i want to read i mean would i not want to read this um i don't know did you have a good time i did i had a great time i tweeted about it already well then i was right yeah <laughs> that's a lie you could tell me what time i need to be there you don't need to lie about the time for me to get to a place i'll show up early because I have, I would have an aneurysm otherwise. Um, no, I had a great yeah, time. Yeah, you, you this tell time. me to get somewhere. If you want me to be somewhere, tell me it's starting an hour earlier than it is, and I'll get there maybe on time. An hour and fifteen minutes, if we're being now, generous. If you want me there early, give me an hour and fifteen minutes. If you want me an hour uh-huh. on time, forty-five. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I had no. I had a great time reading this book. It was a fantastic time. But I, I didn't. So I didn't read the book sleeve because I thought you put the full, you know. Uh-huh, the full uh-huh, shebang uh-huh, in there. Uh-huh. And then I was like, what's the conflict in this? Is it their family like not wanting them to date? And mm. then as I was reading, I was like, huh, something's about to happen. And then I like, I think I read the acknowledgement after that because I like flipped past it, I guess. The author's note, there we go. I apparently flipped past it the, like when oh. I first picked up the book. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that I was like, wait, so I went back and read the author's note and I was like, oh no. So uh, the thing that I was afraid of happening uh, started happening. Would you like to read the author's note to the class? Is it long? It's a page and a half. I can read the author's note. in the note. front? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just like, like, I have Oh, happen, the acknowledgements to, is... Yeah, the author's note is there. The acknowledgements is at the back. I just happened to go by it. I think I like took too many pages at once. One second, I have to mm. blow my nose my podcast now hello future editing brendan you're going to hear this i hope you had a good day enjoy blowing your nose i can't hear you i left oh wait you still can't hear i'm sure everyone heard what i just did though hello that's just like a fun little treat for you to find (laughs) later when you're editing (laughs) um yes i'm so sorry that i'm so sniffly everyone um i just um sneezed like 15 times right before recording and then i think i sneezed some more while we were recording so here we are it's uh never ending allergy season apparently in this home um so Hey-o. the the little this guy oh yeah the dedication page mm-hmm. for all of us who have ever felt not good enough not powerful enough too melanated or unwanted take up space tell your story love that Yes. And then the the author's note, as a person who was born in and lived my entire life in Texas and, and the United States, I want to be clear in, the, in that this book isn't meant to speak for undocumented people. It isn't meant to be a voice for them. It isn't meant to define their experiences or their journeys. I cannot and I will not write that story. At this book center is a non-binary Chicano teenager, 
a person who falls in love so quickly and fiercely and wonderfully with a boy who's trying his best to exist within the limitations that are created to make it impossible for him to live and thrive and find happiness. A person who is incredibly imperfect at times in their allyship. Because this, I could speak on. The ways in which I might passionately overstep, I can speak on. The ways that the country I was born in and raised in not to question demonizes and fetishizes my neighbors, I can speak on. And I think it's important. I think it's vital that we realize how even those in power who claim to be allies of immigrants working on their behalf only ever want to talk about a specific person. The valedictorian, a future first-generation college student who came here as a baby, it's never about the boy who wasn't brought to the United States as a child, who instead came here as a young adult, a boy who wasn't the top of his class, who didn't even graduate high school. The latter isn't as easy to hold up as an example, a political tool to show promise and capability. It's not as easy to fight for, so we forget about him. We need to recognize the ways that even allies objectify people with the potential of migrants, how easily we erase their humanity and only see capital, how anyone we don't see as profitable is thrown out, is not even allowed inside, is invisible, but also criminal. And while this story has a happy ending of sorts. Before we begin, I want to recognize all stories and lives and people who don't get that. And I hope that together, those of us who can will stand side by side with all of our undocumented Armanas. Even those who aren't DACA kids, DACA, if you will, who aren't refugees with a morning show worthy backstory, who aren't STEM geniuses. I hope that together we can uplift these voices and the voices of all the undocumented people to make this world a more just, loving, and moral place. X, Johnny. Oh. Yeah. Um, That's very cute. So you didn't get that in your book? No, I did. I did. Oh, okay. That. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're, reading sure. the, you're reading the full book aloud next time. Okay. So... I think I described this book to our friend as like kids who are too chronically logged into the internet speaking to each other. I just yeah. meant that like the way that Ander and uh, Zeke speak to each other. <laughs> That's like, I feel like how teens talk. Maybe. That's exactly, no, it, it absolutely is. What and are was, the youth doing? Yeah, they, I mean, truly no joke. Um, Very, very funny. And I had a great time like reading any part that had them together um just because they were so terrible to each other the way that they spoke it was just like fuck you bitch no boo you whore it was just but like out of love i don't know how to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was there weren't any specific quotes but it was very funny so like that's why i was like wait this book is very funny it's very rom-commy right now in terms of like i'm laughing at the way that these mm -hmm. kids are talking to each other. And then we meet Santi. And I was like, wait a minute. Adorable. Cute. Doesn't know how to take a selfie. Um, we can fix him. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly that's exactly what Andres says. Like, I can fix that person. I can show them how to take a real selfie. <laughs> Why are they doing okay. that? Stop taking pictures of my art the, the bad way. <laughs> and in that moment, I related. And in that moment, <laughs> I felt I felt one with the character in this book. Do you have any thoughts that you want to talk about to start us off with? Other than like, I love the the foul way that these teenagers are speaking to each other. <laughs> well, you're an artist, 
like you and I are both artists. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Um, how did you feel about um like the descriptions of Anders murals? I thought they were pretty good. I feel like a lot of the time it's really hard to describe art in books without making it sound really cheesy because like yeah. it's not necessarily the content of what's in the image, but just like the feeling it emo- evokes or like the style which is painted. Like a lot of mural yeah. imagery is just like here's a historical person or like a local, like a community leader and like some abstract and shapes around him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound particularly interesting when described, but like obviously the mural itself is really fascinating. I think that the thing I really liked a lot was like Anders' struggle with like the idea of being like a mural, like a Mexican mural artist. Um, I think it was really interesting that their college, like, um, not professor, whoever that their counselor, college counselor, their um, ad, um, yeah, that person. Advisor. Yes, I think it was very interesting that they were just like. Wow, um, look at these like prayer candles. I found and I'm imagining it in like the worst like valley girl accent voice. And I know that's not specifically how that person is described, mm-hmm. but that's just like how I was imagining it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this person sounds terrible. And I felt like in college I had some teachers that I would I would bring up like being queer and it was like part of the experience that I was trying to like, you know, mm-hmm. emanate in my photographs. And whenever people would be like, oh, look at this artist. And I'm like, is this person a straight art? You're like, I'm I'm telling you that I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to show this, like, I'm trying to create queer art, and you're showing me like someone who is like wholeheartedly a heterosexual who just photographs like a woman's boob which Mm -hmm. i mean can be queer it's fine but like it just like wasn't what i'm going for i felt like that's what was happening but like in a horrible worse way so that was like really easy for me to imagine like wow this this kid is not getting like a good experience out of this shitty like counselor this college counselor Mm -hmm. but it's like worse because it's like oh my god like you should only ever do this like this is all you can do and it felt like this is all you can do because you're you're not like a white kid. Like you can only focus and learn from these like these Mexican artists. And it's like, well, why can't I why can't I learn about everyone? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like all the things you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find this thing. So oh, I, I was like, exact... am I saying something wrong? No, it's no, okay. I'm trying to get this exact wording right. Because it's like yeah. a specific thing. It's on mm-hmm. Instagram. I think shit. It was just like, I think that's such a poor experience. And I feel like. <clears throat> So many people who go to art school get that like weird, horrible experience with like teachers, but just in like general, like school in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stinks because like I was reading this book under the, like the lens of like this person has so much potential and it's not mm-hmm. wasted. It's not like, oh, my God, they could be great. It's like, no, they are really great. They are really good. Like they're actively doing stuff that is like really cool sounding mm-hmm. and they're not constraining themselves to be just like one thing which was really awesome i think as an artist to see like an artist being like no i want to do many different things i want to like i want my 
I want to get my grubby little mitts on every little thing. I want to be able to do every kind of art. Like I'm an, uh, I'm an artist. I should be able to learn and be inspired by everything everywhere. Not just like my hometown, not just this. Mm -hmm. Or like, these are all the things I can learn about in Chicago. That's it, period. Like, why can't I do more than that? And it was just, mm -hmm. it was very interesting to see how brave Ander was when like talking and like handling themselves when speaking to like a college admissions person slash like their count their like college counselor if you will being like no shut up i i want to be great and i feel like you don't want me to be mm -hmm. like you're trying to pigeonhole me and it was just like really nice to see them like speak up for themselves or just being like yeah i'm not having this conversation i have other things i'm i'm literally going to go do art i cannot have this conversation with you uh, I literally was, just simply have to go do art. Actually. I simply must go do art. <laughs> I simply must go paint my boyfriend in the park. There's like, I don't know if it's um an artist who mm -hmm. does like an installation work or if it's actually like a playwright, uh -huh. but there's this like marquee um art that I saw once that my friend sent me. And it's like this artist, it says like the artist's name, who I can't remember, I'm so mad at myself, but it's like <sighs> This person is a uh, like queer, non-binary, black, indigenous. They come from like this like tribe, and they um are like they use these pronouns, and their art is about. And then the marquee ends because there's no more space left. <laughs> and That's it's amazing. Like, the second that the um advisor was like well i think you should consider doing like specifically like mexican mural art and ander got really pissed about it i was like ah this is exactly this thing yeah it's like i understand that it is like extremely important to like if you're comfortable being a representative of a community that obviously yeah. especially like communities under duress in the u.s if you're working in the u.s and stuff like that but like the prominence of just like pushing that forward instead of like the art itself and and yeah i don't know people people are stupid and they don't like understand things that they don't know but like if you are from a marginalized community even a little bit like i think that within your art that will speak through what you're doing so like the people mm -hmm. who are like matter who are like also part of your community or of like a like nebulous community to you would probably interpret it that way and also like understand what you're trying to do yeah <clears throat> i'm gonna try to find this thing and i'll send it to you and put it in the like episode notes because it's truly amazing it's literally yeah, just like please. a marquee outside of a theater but i think about it constantly it's very funny <laughs> i'm gonna keep googling while we talk yeah um no it's just like i i too would also be like oh you know what i'm just if this is what college is going to be like i'm not going yeah because i don't think that's a way to handle a student no, but I think it's a really normal way that um, a lot of people handle students. Yeah. Like, I think especially, like, art specifically, like, I don't know. I I think pretty much every single person I've ever talked to that went to, like, an actual art school. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean not, like, an art, fully art-focused school, not, like, a school with an art department. Uh -huh. has said that it's like the worst experience of their life um <laughs> and like okay maybe they made like good friends and like had a few teachers that were like important and had like a significant impact on them but also like mm -hmm. 
we could have done you could have met those people maybe without the trauma involved yeah it's just like such a weird system of like we're going to create we're going to try to like create and like and like nurture like creative people by like putting them under so much duress that they like actively like lose all of their ability to create anymore i don't know it's just not yeah it's not a good system it's bad so time um don't go to art school don't go to college (laughs) you know how i told you i like wanted to do the podcast because i didn't read anything like i stopped reading when i was in college yeah bitch i love to read (laughs) it's aggressive Yeah, it's fine. No, I I've told you a million times. No, I I feel like it was like I when I left school, it's like okay, and like maybe three years later, I started reading again. It's like you have to take mm-hmm. a break from doing this thing that you've been forced to do. So like, mm-hmm. I have a healthier relationship with my art now that I'm not in school because I can look at it and not feel shitty about it instantly. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not because it's any better or whatever, but it's just like. I don't feel like I'm, I'm like, it's under a microscope. I'm making it for me now, not for assignments. But I feel like that's just like such a poor experience for this like very talented kid who Mm -hmm. is like a working artist already. Yeah, like it's, I don't think it should be understated the amount of work that honors done before they'd even gotten into college. Not that you need any kind of degree in order to create or any kind of like age limitation yeah but just like being a 19 year old and like having like multiple murals within the community and like actively working all the time and stuff it's like i mean it's like kind of the perfect time to really start doing art because you most likely are living with your parents or not paying rent on your own yet Mm -hmm. um you don't have to worry about like health insurance and stuff usually yet like he's it's a very good time to be like kind of experiencing that but then also like a really bad time to be experiencing it because you're a teenager and you're trying to like figure out what to do and you have a bunch of adults telling you what to do and that's just kind of like the absolute wrong kind of environment to like prosper any kind of art and it feels like college in Chicago was like, you're going to do these things because we're telling you to do these things. Whereas doing art at home, like the people around, they were literally helping them do things. It was like, mm-hmm. no, honey, like you're going to be fine. We're going to support you and you're going to do your art because you have talent. And mm-hmm. like, we want you to like focus on that because we don't want you to waste it. And it's not like a you have to do it situation. It's like, a, no, we really want you to do this because it would be a shame. Like mm-hmm. when they were talking about how it's like, oh, have you always been like a, a painter? It's like, oh, well, when I was a kid, I used to draw on the walls. And then my dad put up, you know, butcher butcher's paper, I think is what they said. And I just kept drawing mm-hmm. on the walls. But like instead of like being reprimanded for it, it was like I was encouraged to do this thing. And now I get paid to paint on walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just like, I feel like that's like the perfect execution of like how to be a, how to be a good parent, but also like how to be like, you see your kid enjoying this thing, like let them enjoy it. Let mm-hmm. people enjoy things. Also, I feel like we've been talking about under a lot, but um, I feel like Santi was one of the most, like, I want to say multifaceted 
like crushes or like romantic partners in a book that I've read in a while. That was like about like in terms of like a YA book because they weren't just like sunshine boy who lives down the street. It's like no, they have a life and a story and like a family and while like the book wasn't about him as much obviously it didn't feel like i knew nothing about this person at the end of the book how did you feel about that like do you agree like is that like a a correct way of like speaking about santi as a um a secondary character i mean i think we don't really learn that much about him but it's also like plot driven because mm-hmm. it's like a pretty significant like moment that you like kind of learn more of his backstory and like kind of what's going on so i don't think it it doesn't feel like it's just you're losing like character yeah or you're like losing any kind of depth it's just Uh like you don't quite know what's going on at first but i mean it makes sense like the the book is pretty much entire it's it is is it first person? Oh my god, why? Yes. Yeah, it's entirely okay. from Anders' perspective. <laughs> I don't know why when I read books, I like and I finish them, I'll like forget what what the point of view is because I generally am like I you get because you get into a rhythm of a book. Yeah. So I'm like I forgot if I was like wait, did it, like is it literally first person or is it just like Anders' perspective? So, especially I think the thing that happens because we read like two to three books a month um mm-hmm. on good months. <clears throat> Um, I feel like because we read so many different kinds of books, sometimes it's gays in space, sometimes it's historical British gays, sometimes it's magicians, sometimes it's just, you know, a kid who does murals, um, falling in love with like someone who works at their family's restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. for me, you know, I feel like I have whiplash when I go from like a YA book to like, a the adults are adulting books. Um, and my brain goes, this isn't right. Why is this happening? Wait a minute. You agreed to this? Um, Stop. Yeah. Stop, Stop it. it. Get some help. I think it's not something I think of when I'm thinking about a book, like what person it's in until someone's like, okay, now what color was the bathing suit? Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> that. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what my point was. Oh, but yeah, no, it made sense that like we, cause because it was through honor's perspective that we didn't really have much information. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it necessarily was different than other books you've read um, that have less dimensional love interests, I will say, uh-huh. but it was purposeful and like made sense. I feel like I learned enough about him to be like, oh yes. No, for sure. Interest. Like he was a full, he was a fully uh, developed character, and he was like yeah. interesting. But like, just like as far as like, the book wasn't about him. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to like learn more about him. Also, just like, you know, just in general. Um, but a sequel. Just like a lo- I want to know how they're doing. <laughs> I want to check in with my kids. Camera, show me how the kids are. But yes, I. I think this is, so for the podcast, this is the second book that we've read, I should say, that has dealt with undocumented humans being deported, if you will, Mm. or like that being a topic. Another one Mm. we read was, I think it's called Indivisible. It's by Daniel Ailman, if I remember correctly. And this one was very different. They're two absolutely different uh, books, I should say. Yeah, very different books. Indivisible. There we go. I knew that was wrong. 
Hmm. Indivisible by Daniel Ailman. Um, we interviewed, I think I, I think you were, it was just me doing that episode. I think you were in Denver mm. that time. It was in 2021. That book came out. Um, it was their, like their debut book. And I had a really good time reading that. And that was about a kid whose parents get deported and he has to basically like take over his family's business and try to figure out like life for him and his sister, Sophie. I think Mm-mm. you jokingly. Yeah. I was about to say you jokingly said you didn't want to read it because of the sister's name was Sophie. <laughs> you weren't even here, so you couldn't have, but it's a very real topic. And it was, I feel like the 2016 to 2020 timeframe, uh, it was a lot worse too. It a lot of this book like talks about that, I would say, in terms of like this is a real thing that happens. And uh the way that like the neighborhood handled it when the ICE agents show up uh or like follow them home. Mm-hmm. Like everyone showed up, like that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um that was also like really scary to read. Yeah. And that's like the reality of the situation for people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I again, I think because you tricked me and I didn't read the book sleeve, I didn't know what was going on until it started. Um, because mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to go into the book a little like blind to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to read the book and enjoy it and not like get spoiled by the book sleeve, if you will. Um, you yeah, know, I feel like a lot of times they give away too much information. Mm-hmm. I sometimes read the book sleeve when I'm like a hundred pages in to be like, okay, at this point. Like where, like what is they're they're leading towards something? Maybe I'm right about like what the conflict is about to be, and this was very different from the last book. Like I said, that I read that had this topic in it, and that one took place in New York. This one's in Texas. Um, I'm curious, how close is San Antonio to like the border? Because I think they bring up when like the the border walls were erected mm-hmm. in this book as well, um, and it's not even something that i i thought that they always existed no it's very close to the border it's in the like little tail of texas oh okay like um south of austin i mean it's not like directly on the border like you couldn't walk but it looks like it's probably like Mm -hmm. well let's see it's probably i mean you could probably do it but it wouldn't be like a fun walk well, you can walk anywhere. For anyone who really loves want, to walk, I'm but... sure they're like, you know, you could do it. It's like an easy 55 miles. Oh, it's two days. It's 179 miles, 180 miles. Yeah, no, that's so it's like a three-hour drive. Yeah, I think they. To... I didn't realize how like the time frame of when the border, not border was established, but like the border walls were a thing, um, mm-hmm. and how I like when ice was established. I don't think I knew. That it was established, like, in our lifetimes? Yeah, bitch. I thought it was established, like, earlier than that. I feel like America's always been on that bullshit. Well, America's always been on that bullshit, but, you know, it took a particular amount of shittiness. I'm Googling this now because I don't actually know. They mentioned in the book, I think it's, like, in the 90s, I think. 2002. There we go. That seems like crazy to me that it's like that, like I was 12. Yeah, it stinks of Bush administration. Yeah. Um, so like there was there was that was 
put put into the book as well, um, which I, I again was educational to me in terms of I thought that was something that always existed. Um, kind right. of like, well, I mean, if you think about it, like social security numbers don't... didn't exist when my dad was born. So, and he's in his seventies, twenties. Yeah, he's in his twenties. Uh, I wish he's um, in his forties. Yeah. Um, no, but I don't think that you should take that you not knowing that that was that recent as like any kind of like. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Oh my god, my brain is not. Oh, I'm right not now. seeing it for me as like a ding for like a. Oh, you should have known that it was just like a yeah. thing that I thought always existed. Yeah, no, but it, I mean, I yeah. think that's like what people want you to think because yeah. then you're less likely to be like, oh, we can change this. We can yeah. get rid of it. Actually, well, it's like when you put a historical thing in black and white when it's something that happened in 2000. To make it look like it happened so far long ago. Well, like 1950 like you... or 1960s, they had color photography, my guy. <laughs> Even just like stuff, like, do you ever have those moments where you're like, um... When was a microwave see. made? No, 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 no. My brother was born before microwaves existed, which is wild to me. When were microwaves invented? After 1970s is when they became like more popular in households. Oh, yeah so like households really didn't have that stuff it's it's like a you know when they like on twitter you see a meme that's like world before like ladders were built <laughs> ladders were made or something and it's like people just like climbing walls and it's like people the day before ladders were invented it's just like things like that no but so yeah okay like people like when people talk about like the civil rights movement and stuff mm -hmm. and they're like well martin luther king was like that was such a, like a long time ago it wasn't and it's like yeah but it was also like the same time that like the beatles were like blowing shit up and like the rolling stones like it's like never yeah. never like talked about like contemporarily with each other so it's always mm -hmm. like a very confusing thing yeah to be like oh right this was like all actively happening at the same time because it's such yeah. it's put in such like a historical context that you don't like yeah. process it i don't know i just googled pablo picasso died 15 years after martin luther king like that <laughs> i mean what? pablo picasso died of natural causes and was night in his 90s but like he he died in like 1978 oh maybe 10 not years. earlier than that no I just googled it. Wasn't he making paintings in the 1800s? I'm joking. I know that's not true. <laughs> um, I didn't want you to, to my heart black out. Actually, <laughs> no, fuck that guy. Anyway, but that, but just like, I feel like that's like a, one of those things where it's like, yeah, you don't put like the cultural, you, you like have these like cultural boxes that you put like specific events in, and you're never mm -hmm. like, oh, that was actually happening. Like, yeah, at the same time, yeah, like, but. But we're so used to seeing these like images in black and white. We're like, well, that was the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like I had a very pleasant time reading this book, but also mm -hmm. like consciously uncomfortable, if you will, at certain points. Like it's not like a, wow, everything's so good. Like it, like it wasn't like one of those books where it's like, a slice of life in a like cutesy everything is great kind of way mm -hmm. it's like a slice of life and like a this is a realistic situation that does happen kind of way yeah. um good. yeah um i think johnny's writing was very good i think they did yes. a very good job um 
I absolutely, you know, it's funny. I think that I wanted to read 1500 Miles from the Sun. Is that their first book? Yeah. I think I wanted okay. to read that. And for some reason, I just like didn't do it. And like, this is like a bitch, you should have read that book. <laughs> I, well, we're getting a lot of that this year, I think. Yeah. So, like, this was so good. I'm just- adding um reading authors books and then going well let me just go through all of the things you've ever published actually exactly well that's you know it's funny that's what happened with caleb rorig's books i read their second book first i think and then i was like wait a minute this was Mm -hmm. fucking awesome and then i read their first and then their third book um Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think of who else i was like bonkers over um i mean not any of the authors that we've read on the podcast, I don't think, but mm-hmm. I've read like almost all of Charlene Harris's books because I love her writing. And also they're really easy to read and fun. Um, I've read like most of Augustine Burr's work. They're they're Not they just sold stuff. a new book. Um, so like a new book is coming out soon. Ugh, oh, I Adam Silvera. Like there we go. I was like, what is my brain telling me? <laughs> um, Adam Silvera, who is <laughs> the reason why i wanted to start this podcast because i wanted to talk about his books um Mm. (laughs) embarrassing (laughs) i hate admitting that i love someone's work so much that i want to talk about it (laughs) babe you're on a podcast that you run (laughs) my brother in christ (laughs) my brother in christ you're literally on a podcast you're the one that edits and posts and tweets about all these books yeah i know but i have to be cool about it that's why I get authors on the podcast. I trick them. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I like. I absolutely would love to read their other book. I think this one was written really well. I think the way that the kids speak to each other is really amazing. Di- if this was a TV show. I'd amazing. watch it. It's no, it's so good. I love that the Spanish is integrated so seamlessly within the English and the dialogue. Yes. But as like a non-Spanish speaker, I was able to still like understand things. There was a mm-hmm. few things that I like Googled or yeah. I looked up just because mm-hmm. I was like, I literally just want to know like what the exact translation of this is. Yeah. But like I was never, there was never a moment where I was like, I don't understand what's going on because this whole back and forth was in Spanish. I was like, yeah. no, I still understand what's happening. It was really and, nice. Like, yeah. And I, oh, also, I remember this came up when we were talking to Mason Deaver about their mm-hmm. book, I Wish You All the Best. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think ever in this book, I could be wrong, that Ander is spoken to in a way that is feminine or masculine, mm-hmm. the way that words are set, like, when they're described. And mm-hmm. I remember Santi asking them about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember Mason, when we were talking about the Spanish translation of their book, they were interested to see like how it was going to turn out because so much of Spanish is gendered. Yeah. And which when is we a thing put... that I've always really wondered too. Yeah. And with this one, like I didn't feel I was I wonder like how much of an effort it was for Johnny to do this book and write the way that they did um mm-hmm. without like gendering ponder well i think a lot of it too is just like context of what's happening because Mm -hmm. i think also they did talk a little bit about how they are using like the masculine conjugation of like a word but it's Mm -hmm. not 
it's like not because of anything it's just like how yeah i don't know it's what it's they're just saying like it's like it's moment. like whatever or yeah. it goes or like it goes back and forth it's never like one thing or the other mm-hmm. yeah i think it's like done very well but i would be also really interested in mm-hmm. hearing like if anyone's experience who has who is either a native spanish speaker or or is just like knows spanish very well like how mm-hmm. they kind of uh experienced the book while reading yes that would be i would love that um i i also you brought it up i had such a nice time reading the book because i looked up words or i was remembering like my spanish lessons as a kid like certain Mm -hmm. things like kicked in like this is what this word means which was just like a nice like a nice feeling and also like i felt like i was learning again which is kind of cool um and seeing it like conversationally versus like learning vocabulary words if you will Mm -hmm. uh was nice also it was really nice to see that in a book where the conflict is, you know, the ICE agents and like the the will they won't they get like picked up, like will Santi get deported? Like will something happen to them? Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice that I never felt like the parents were gonna be like queer bashing their kid, like none of that was gonna come up. Oh yeah. Like I was reading it and I was like, please, I can't handle that. Not on top of this. Like <laughs> it was just like nice that like w- with everything else like wrong that could go on, like that felt like a safe environment. Also, yeah. <laughs> like a very like sex positive book, I would say. Oh, absolutely. It was so nice. All of <laughs> Yeah, truly. <laughs> but like no, but like no, respectfully. It- it was no I think it was done really well too because mm-hmm. I under like I get why this happens a lot in like YA specifically yeah. where you kind of have this like big moment where the two characters have sex and it's this like crazy big deal yeah it's like that could be really romantic and kind of like aspirational for kids but it's also can be really damaging for a lot of children yeah so like just to be like I don't know we like each other and now we're dating and we're also having sex and that's just mm-hmm. like part of dating and it's normal and fine and we're both comfortable with it like yeah it's just like an experience we're having but it's not like dwelled upon and it's never it like, wasn't super important to their relationship that they were wasn't fucking. super, but it wasn't unimportant either yeah. like it was like no it was I think it was like really nice mm-hmm. to, to have that kind of mixed in with because yeah. like a lot of stuff that's usually in YA um, and it was nice to see that like both of them like had already experienced their first time somewhere else. It wasn't something that was brought here, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, it just felt like not like regular or normal. It was just like, yeah, this is a thing that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family thinks we're fucking all the time, even when we aren't. So, so we might as well. What be about it? <laughs> we yeah. might as well be fucking. Um, no, it always just like be fucking. Always be fucking. A B F. Always be fucking. Um, I had an enjoyable time, like being in their world. Um, it was fucking awesome, like seeing this like journey for this artist, this young artist, and getting mm-hmm. recognized for like their hard work because literal hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how like in when we were in high school, like cheerleaders would have to argue that they deserved varsity jackets because what they were doing was athletic and work. Um, at my school, that was an issue. No, okay. so the cheerleaders like 
someone would be like, oh, you're not even like, why do you have a, like an athlete's jacket, like a varsity jacket? You're not an athlete. And it's like, okay, well you do a fucking flip midair then and get caught and like launch people into the air and tell me it's not a sport or like an athletic thing. Mm-hmm. Under deserves a varsity jacket for the amount of like work that they put in. Backflips. Yeah. Tr- like backflips. <laughs> like truly like when they were talking about like, oh, you know, I haven't been working out much, but I will argue that like hanging upside down and like doing these things and lifting paint cans and this and that is like physical labor. And like, I I am not toned, if you will. I'm not as toned as like Santi is, but I'm not like untoned because of the work that I do. Like it is like a physical like thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I agree. <laughs> But I like I now kind of want to like sit and watch someone do a mural. I'm like so interested. Did you just hear uh, my stomach growl? Did you hear that? I did, but I wasn't. Oh my sure what god, that was. <laughs> it was Girl, my tummy. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just hungry. Oh, I'm hungry. It's, hun- it's hungry time. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> you know. Um. <laughs> how did you How did you feel about Zeke? I loved Zeke. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I thought Zeke was fun. I thought Zeke was like a really good tertiary character. Uh-huh. It was just kind of like there. I wanted Robbie. Is that the Mo? The oh, older, Robbie the, the cook. The like older person who's from Robbie the cook. Oh no, Robbie is also someone who works at the restaurant. Who is a waiter? I think so. Works at the restaurant. The like it's older like a... trans person that honor is friends with. Um, I no, I really liked Robbie, and I wanted them mm. to be like more of a character than they were, but like mm. that's fine. Um, but I, I, I really liked Zeke too. I thought, I thought both of them were like a good like kind of just like balance, and it was like mm-hmm. nice to have like some external characters that weren't necessarily like family members. Yeah, I think everyone that was involved in the book, I had a a pleasant time with. Um, Zeke being loud um, as a person who is loud and sometimes does things without realizing that they can be harmful to others the part where like the thing that happens with Zeke the like conflict that happens there I was like Zeke please stop Zeke please stop Zeke please stop Zeke please stop mm-hmm. <laughs> Zeke please mm-hmm. I'm begging you I'm be- oh that was like yeah that, no, that yeah. well no that I was bugging. I literally was like reading the book, like no, 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 no. I was like yeah. screaming while I was reading. But also, that's exactly what like someone. I don't know. Like I could see someone doing that. So yeah. it like fit his character really well. I think he was yeah. just like I think Zeke was very much like the sunshine golden retriever. Yeah, Zeke meant like, well, but dumb. didn't realize that like you're being, you're not being, um, not the word casual. Uh, you're not being subtle. <laughs> You're not being subtle. Also, you're doing this in front of the tent that my like job is connected to. So, like, please, I'm begging you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I had a great time. I think this should be on everyone's summer reading list. Also, this is our first book for the month of Pride, Pride Month, Yay! in which we talk about being gay year round. <laughs> Woo! Yes, and even though there are people who only maybe put out list for pride month you should read queer books all the time because queer authors exist all the time and this book exists all the time a lot of them are published in february and march yeah really truly (laughs) february and march or december february march uh a lot of june releases obviously i think and then a lot of october yeah october or november 
Yeah. But yeah, I think this would be like a really fun book to read uh, for summer reading. This would be like, I would love to read this at the beach. I might bring this to this the beach with me. This would be such a, well, oh, like just for you. I was going to say, yeah. this would be a really interesting book to read for like actually summer reading. I don't think yeah. any public school would probably let any teacher teach it because it has sex in it. Yeah. Not even, they just like talk about it. They don't even really like, it's not, there's not even like sex no. scenes, but like. We were we I were too know. busy reading their eyes were watching God in which she is, you know, touching herself underneath the magnolia tree, but that's neither here nor there. I did not read that. Um Yeah, that's the thing that happens in that book. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, um <laughs> Oh no, I think this would be like a good summer reading book for like a yeah. certain like younger kids, because I think the characters I think would relate to like high school seniors really well. And then also like it has a pretty mm-hmm. significant like I think it does a really good job of kind of talking about like how undocumented people have to live in the U.S. and also mm-hmm. like the communities that keep them safe, especially like close to the border. Like, there's definitely like I remember like in high school growing up, I lived the town that was next to mine was like an extr- was a very very Latina neighborhood. Like a lot of undocumented people lived there and also worked like would work there. Like I like a lot of people. I remember like growing up and like if you went to like certain parts of town really early in the morning there was always like a group of guys like waiting on the corner to like get picked up to, yeah. for work or like I had friends whose like parents worked in like um what's it called like landscaping and stuff mm-hmm. or like they had like more like hard labor jobs and they were always hiring undocumented people so it's like obviously exists everywhere in the US but I think it's like really significant like how people live day to day like right on the border and like in texas Mm -hmm. of all places like yeah jesus fucking christ um if you live in texas i'm so sorry yeah we should just give it back to mexico it's just florida number two it shouldn't be though like we should give that land back but like we're never going to no yeah i think it could have probably i mean it could have been significantly worse because yeah what you were saying earlier is like there's like a whole darker side of the book that could have happened because Mm -hmm. anders non-binary and uses they them pronouns and it's never an issue no it's like talked about it's brought up like when they introduce themselves and stuff they will Mm -hmm. usually provide pronouns just like jump ahead and like talk about like kind of gender expression in that way yeah but it's never of conflict within the book because we're too busy having uh, experiences with border control people trying to deport uh other humans who are just trying to like exist in the on the earth and yeah live. like um i think that the only time it comes up really as like an issue is like page two literally when um ander is like serving the table of like white girlies who are like oh my god we're here for margaritas like those. oh i love when they make fun of all the white people on Cinco de mayo mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> truly it was a good time. Do, would you suggest this book to people? I feel like I would. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's like a good a good mix of stuff for people to read mm-hmm. who are looking for kind of like a light reading, but it also has like an interesting. It has like a significant like cultural moments and stuff. Like, so I don't think it's necessarily like 
I would, I don't know. I wouldn't like want people to think that it's like a really traumatic book and like, no. and like, but it's just like realistic, but it's also like fun. Yeah. The dialogue is written like amazingly mm-hmm. fresh and like really relatable. And it just like the characters are really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I definitely would recommend people would yeah. read this. I think we've absolutely you know read more traumatic books on the podcast. Oh yeah, no one's getting hate crimes really. No, people are getting abducted by an official government entity that exists for some reason that is driven but, by you hate. Know, um, but you know, we're not actively being uh, depicting violence. No, I'm begging. If you're gonna pick up a book this summer, pick this up. I think you'll really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Sophie and I both both loved it. Um, I already tweeted how much I love this book. So I mean, please go do it. And I'm very excited to see what else Jenny comes out with. I would love to read their other book. The book today that we're talking about, just for everyone's reference, is Ander and Santi were here. I was combining their names. Auntie. Auntie. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's everything. Is that everything for you? Because it's everything yeah, for me. That's everything. Um, everyone go read the book. It was really, really fun. It's a nice little summer read and make sure that you can go to a taco stand afterward. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. Oh, we need to do. Um, all right, everyone. So this week we were talking about Johnny Garza Villa's book, Ander and Santi were here. My name is Brandon Patrick. This is Sophie Green. And you've been listening to the Superlit Podcast. Musica final.